Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Father, just thank you so much for the opportunity to meet, to have fun, to have joy, to serve you, Lord. And thank you as we get into the word today that you you help and assist me to, to deliver it, Father. And I just thank you that everyone has ears to hear. We give you all the praise and glory for that. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. So today's uh, message, it's a little unusual even for us because I'm really using a lot of scriptures, but I've, I've done some work to make it as easy to understand and to keep it within our time limits uh, on how we usually do our church with time. So I'm trusting the Lord to help get it out. I, I made the time in the first service, and so just for comfort, but I've got about 52 screens today up there for, with scriptures on them. So um, today we're going to look at the victory that overcomes the world, and it might not be what you think it's going to be. So the victory that overcomes the world, we're going to start 1 John 5, 4, and it says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, today what we're going to look at is we're going to look at three Greek words translated as world. We're going to look at what Jesus said about the world. We're going to look at how scriptures describe the world. We're going to look at how we have overcome the world. And then lastly, we're going to look at how not to allow the world to overcome us, which is very important. So let's start off with these three Greek words translated as world. We're only going to look at one in depth, so these first two, I just want to mention them. So the first Greek word is whatever that is. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but that refers to the inhabited areas of the earth, so it's more like uh, places on the earth with people. It's derived from the Greek word, whatever that is, which means to dwell. And then um, the next Greek word is, I don't know, aeon or something like that, aeon, you know, and it refers to an age or period of time. This Greek word is used 128 times in the New Testament and 38 places in the King James Version. It's mostly translated as world. Uh, This word does not refer to the planet Earth, but to an age or a number of ages. And then here's the one we're going to take time to look at today. That Greek word is cosmos. And this word is used 187 times in the New Testament It is in the King James translated 186 times as world. So we're going to look at that more in close. So let's start off by looking at, there's four commentaries that I would like to show you what they say about this word cosmos. So here's the Strong's. It says, an apt and harmonious arrangement or constitution, order, government, the inhabitants of the earth, men, the human race, The ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. World affairs, the aggregate of things earthly, the whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, etc., which although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire, seduce from God and are obstacles to the cause of Christ. Here's the EW. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Uh, And these guys, these commentaries have been around for years. So this is not anything new. We just a lot of times never cover these things. Then here's E.W. Bollinger. Cosmos denotes the order of the world, the ordered universe, the ordered entirety of God's creation, but considered as separated from God, the abode of humanity, 
that order of things in which humanity moves or of which man is the center. And then vines, just a few words here for the vines expository, in alienation from in opposition to God. This is all that, all about this word cosmos. Then the last one, Vincent word studies, the order of things which is alienated from God as manifested in and by the human race. Humanity is alienated from God and acting in opposition to him. The sum total of human life in the ordered universe, considered apart from and alienated from and hostile to God and of the earthly things which seduce from God. So I wanted to read four different uh, commentaries to make sure that we know that this isn't just one theologian's or whoever writes the commentary's opinion. It's uh, pretty much a consensus of what this Greek word cosmos means, which is translated 187 times as world in the New Testament. So here's a bulletproof summary of what we just read. Uh, the harmonious order or system of the world, the ungodly masses of people alienated from God and hostile to the cause of Christ, and the earthly things which seduce us from God, such as goods, riches, advantages, and pleasures. So uh, we're going to look into it today. So here's the first thing we want to move on to right now, and that's this, what Jesus said about the world. Okay, so here's what Jesus said in John 8, 23. He said to them, you are from below and I am from above. You are of the world, the cosmos, and I am not of this world, cosmos. That's what Jesus said. So he's making a distinction above, beneath, he came from a different place, a different system, uh, okay? And then, uh, and he's saying, I'm not part of this system. And then John chapter 18 and verse 36, Jesus answered and he said, my kingdom is not of this world cosmos. If my kingdom were of this world cosmos, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world cosmos. So what's he saying here? It's, uh, Jesus is saying like this, my mission was to die for the people trapped in the system. That's what I came here. I had to die and sacrifice myself for the people trapped in the system. So because of that, my disciples couldn't fight for me because my mission was to die. So they didn't fight. Now, of course, you know, we, we know Peter lost it and he cut off some of his ear one of the Roman guards, but then Jesus, like, killed it, and they still didn't get a clue. But you know why? Because he had to die, okay? So then look at this, John chapter 17. Well, before I even say that, we just want to say this, too. Um, everyone that receives Jesus is delivered out of the system or out of the cosmos, okay? So look at John chapter 17 and verse 14. I have given them your word... And the world, the cosmos, hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So the system doesn't like losing people. The system wants to keep everyone, okay? And the system wants everyone to think and act like the ruler of the system, which we'll see in a second. So I, I, I've said it this way before. I had, you know, six brothers, and one of them went home early, he was well-behaved, but, you know, before we were Christians, I, you know, my brother Joe, you know, he was a crook and gang kind of a guy. My brother Mike, he was gang, and he messed around with 
I guess, selling drugs. They're both pastors today. But we were in the system. But each one of us yielded to a different degree in the system. So my oldest brother, when we became Christians, he said, you guys needed that because you're bad. I was just a discotheque guy that liked going out to the discotheque, but, you know, for reasons. And, um... But my brother Jim, now the oldest, my oldest brother, he's two years older than me. He said, I, you guys needed that. I don't, because all I really do is I look at pornography. So he was like thinking, this is the only thing I do. You guys do all this other stuff. And he didn't think he needed to get saved or born again. He did, praise the Lord. God got him. Um, but we, everyone yields differently to the system, the, the system here on the earth. So that's why you get serial killers. And then that's why you get people that do minor things, and there's different yielding. So it's important to keep that up. Now, just, I said that for this reason, because you might say, well, there's a lot of nice people out there. So what are you saying? Like, you're saying that non-Christians hate Christians. Like, where do you get, because some people don't yield to it as much as others. But technically, the system doesn't like, they hated Jesus and they technically would hate Christians. It just depends on what they yield to. Now, I'm going to show you this too. Like, this first pick happened five years ago. I, I used my iPhone to take a snap of YouTube on our television. So this happened five years ago. Franklin Graham, Christians should prepare for persecution. Now, people that spend time with the Lord and are sensitive, they start picking up on things. We're, we're living in these kind of days. Now, this happened, this next one happened two days ago. This is inflammatory accusations against Bible-believing Christians. Now, he's the good guy. He's defending the Christians, by the way. So, Mr. Cotton, and that's, that's not nylon, but that's cotton, Mr. That, that's not polyester, but that's Mr. Cotton. Anyway, thank you. I'll be quiet. Uh, just thought I'd get you to laugh. But then here's the one a little bit closer to home. One, one day ago... ABC is bitter, nasty, and intolerant at Dominic, his faith. I still don't know how to pronounce that name. I've got to listen to those guys pronounce it. Um, but it's a lot of stuff in that name. But you see, they're, they're, they're again, he's Christian. They have a problem with him. See, that's the world, the system, and they're going after him. Now, it's interesting that not a lot of news channels here report that. You've got to go to one that the system would say, oh, they're far right, but why, why aren't the other ones reporting? They're actually going after them. Okay, I'm just saying. Look at John chapter 17 and verse 15. <laughs> it's, I do not ask that you take them out of the cosmos, the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So what is he saying? Like, we need to be here because we're the ones that he's going to use to get people saved and to disciple them. So even though it's, we don't need to be afraid, we have divine protection, no evil will come near our dwellings, no weapon formed against us will prosper, no deadly thing will harm us, by the stripes of Jesus we're healed, we need to stand on all those things and keep our stand, and we need to stay here until he takes us out of here because we all have a mission and we have a message for the world, okay? And then uh, look at how the scriptures then describe the world. Galatians 4, 3, this is not Jesus now, but this is scripture. And this says, and that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of the world. 
the cosmos, the basic spiritual principles of the cosmos. But it says slaves. All right, so this is like just describing the system. So anyone who hasn't been delivered from this system, it actually says they can be like a child with their reasoning. And we see a lot of that. And then it says we were slaves before we were saved to the basic spiritual principles. We don't realize it sometimes, but without Christ, there, people can be like living in a fog. And, and, you know, they say like, you know, like little birds and their mothers feed them. And some people just, they, they don't, you know, no research or anything. And like the bird puts the worms in the mouth, the mother bird puts the worms in the mouth and they just eat everything. I'm just saying, as pastor, I'm saying it as much love as I can and compassion. Do research. Don't buy into everything. Don't just let the system put you to sleep and just like that kind of thing. So I'll just leave that there. Then Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, it says this scripture's about, it says, in which you once walked following the course of this cosmos world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. And so that's this description. And, and as I said, I was on the course, my brothers were on that course, and we were just blindly walking the course of the world. We had My, my big ambitions were to have the nicest car possible, to have a penthouse. And it's kind of funny because I grew up in Warren, Ohio. It was an industrial town of, of 55 or 60,000 people. And like, I don't even know if there were any penthouses there. Our downtown hardly had a high building in it. But that was my little shallow dream. And of course, you know, never to get married and to have that kind of a life. That's how deep I was without Christ. But I was going down that course and then I found Jesus, received him, and I got put on a totally different course, and I no longer had the same desires. So, so th this is like the cosmos, the system out there in the world. And then in, in John chapter 14 and verse 30, it says, I will no longer talk much with you, and then look at this, for the ruler of this world, cosmos, is coming. He has no claim on me. So Jesus is now saying, he is, I'm not of the world. I'm from above and you're from beneath. Here I am walking on the soil. And, and now see, Jesus is saying this, the ruler of the cosmos is coming, but Jesus knows he's not part of the cosmos. He said, I'm not of the cosmos. I'm from somewhere else. I'm from above. He was under a much better place than what was here. But he's saying, this is who rules the cosmos. Okay, and it's, of course, the devil. So the Lord gave me this simple statement along this lines. It's just simply, the earth belongs to the Lord. The cosmos belongs to the devil. He is the God of this world. And so you might think, well, so what is that? Just making it more simple, the Bible says the earth and the fullness thereof is the Lord's. He created it all. It's the Lord's, the earth. But the system, right now, the system is... It says in, in Corinthians that the devil's the god of this world. It's important for Christians to know this. You know, so the devil was defeated, but he was defeated for holding human beings in captivity of sin. And so he was defeated so we could get born again and get taken out of the cosmos and the system 
but he's still in it until his days, his days are numbered. And there's going to come a time, you know, that one Greek word for ages, there's age singular and there's ages. And the ages to come, God's going to rule everything. And that's what we have to look forward to. Praise the Lord. So how, have, how we have overcome the world. Let's look at that. So 1 John 5, 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, you can look at that from various views, but the, the view that I want to bring out right now is this isn't just talking about my faith and I, look what I did with my faith. You know, like when we say, well, what's, what faith are you of? Well, I'm this, I'm, I'm that faith, I'm this faith. There's like, this is more in the category of that. So what this is talking about, whoever has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes our faith. It's talking about somebody when they receive Jesus Christ as Lord and they have the Christian faith, that means they overcame the cosmos. In other words, as soon as we receive, we can say what Jesus said. We're in the world, but we're not of it. We're here below, but we're actually seated in heavenly places above. That's what that's saying. Okay? And so this is what he came for to help us to get out of this system. And this system, the, the, the days are numbered for the cosmos. Okay? I do want to say this, that in the beginning when God made, he made everything. And see, he was the originator of the cosmos before it got corrupted by sin and people. So by the time Jesus came to earth, he said, I'm not of this, I'm from somewhere else. And he talked very strongly about this. It was already corrupted when he came, okay? So um, this is what it's referring to. And so then ver verse 5 emphasizes that in, in John Five, first John 5, 5, he said, who is it that overcomes the cosmos except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That's just more weight to say that's what the previous verse is saying. So when, and God did way more than we did. He, he came up with the plan of salvation. He executed the plan of salvation. He did all of that. And then he actually called people to preach it. And then we simply heard and it moved on us and we believed and then we responded and received him, and then we got taken out of the cosmos. We're light now, and we're no longer darkness. You know how the, you know, we use that scripture a lot at Christmas time, how the whole world let, lies in darkness? That's what Jesus came to. He came to the cosmos, and everyone was in darkness, and he was the only way out. And he executed, you know, they ex the plan was executed perfectly, and so we're out. And, I, and if you're watching online or if you're here today and you're not out, we're going to give you an opportunity to get out of the cosmos, to, to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. So then look at um, this in Colossians 1.13. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. And it says it even more clear that as soon as you receive Jesus Christ, you're translated out of the darkness of this system that's going on. And you come into the kingdom of light. Now, we have light, and we, we should be able to discern as Christians. And we just don't walk around with blinders on. Okay? And we'll continue to say a few more things, but um, 
Look at this now then. How not to allow the world to overcome us. So we see that when we receive Jesus, we become overcomers because we get taken out and we become alive in Christ. But then look at this in Matthew 13 and verse 22. It says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And so what we see here is he did everything to get us out of the cosmos, and just receiving him, we are delivered from that, but then we have something to do to maintain it. Okay, so what Jesus, he made a big deal out of God's word, big deal out of it. And then he lets us know how it works even. So he said, the sower sows the seed, that's God's word. So the sower sows the seed, and then Jesus said, now the world, the cosmos, in the world, that cosmos, there's thorns. And then he says, these thorns, uh, they're like the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, those things will choke the word and it will become unfruitful. He made that really clear. So it came to me this way. God planned and executed the work to save us and make us overcomers of the world. We then are responsible to not allow the world to overcome us. And because of God's grace and his goodness, uh, the grace of God that teaches us to deny ungodliness and to live holy in this world. That's what the Bible says in Titus. That grace empowers us and teaches us that we don't have to allow the world to overcome us. Okay? So here's five things as we want to look into this uh, and, and make it as simple as possible to help us not to make sure we don't allow the world to overcome us. So the first one is us in the world. And what I mean by that, it's really important for every Christian to understand who they are, but be very aware of who the world is, that system. Okay? So in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own purpose, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that first thing is you are. This is a reminder of who we are. We're all of those things that I just read. And notice how it says there's a chosen race. So I'd just like to take a little, like, think about this just real briefly about this chosen race. Uh, You know, there's like two spiritual races. But then let's also talk about this because the cosmos and that system, what it wants to do, it wants to, of course, get people fighting And the cosmos will get Christians to fight each other. The cosmos will get non-Christians to fight Christians. The cosmos will get the non-Christians to fight each other. And and that system, every time it gets people to do that, it's for one, one purpose. The elite people get more power and more money. Make no mistake. It always comes about power and money. So the elites will get, they'll do things to get us to fight. I want to give you an example and I, and I do this the best I can, and sometimes I don't know if I totally qualify to talk about these things, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, I'm going to start off by illustrating, like doing an illustration. Now, I don't know, a number of weeks or months ago, we put up a picture of Fred Price, who went home to be with the Lord, a great minister in California, and he has a son named Fred. And I was listening to Fred on YouTube. He calls himself Freddie 
because he was teaching on race. And I think, you know, I, I want to hear what, a, what an African-American says about it because, because you know, th they were the ones that back before the, that they changed the Constitution and got all of that out of there, they were the ones that were like the victims. They no longer are with all the changes. But I want to hear what he has to say. So he did an illustration, and he did, like, use the Lord of the Rings. It was concerning race. And he said, uh, there, if you watch that, there is, like, the elves, there's the dwarves, there's the hobbits, there's the ents, there's the orcs, there's the trolls, and man. And he said, so that's, those are different races, but he goes, notice that there's only one race of man. The human race is one race. One race. So I was watching, you know, I, at times, and I, and I told you guys, I try to limit that, but what, whatever I can do without it getting me into a place where I could get angry. But I was watching, like, some of the, uh, of the Congress in the States. No, no, that, that wasn't that. I was watching um, where parents were allowed to get in front of the school boards and confront the school boards on what they had the teachers teaching their children. And so there was a very well-spoken black man that was confronting the school board, and he was saying, you're they were teaching critical race theory, and he says, you're teaching my children to hate white people. And he said, my wife is white. He said, so you're teaching my children to hate their mother. You see what I'm saying? Very well-spoken man. But see, that's the system. And what the system wants to do, and they want to start off with kids, they want to teach them things. And what it does, it makes people fight. It causes division. And in the end, it's a few elite people that when they get everyone else to fight, somehow they get more power and more money. It happened in Venezuela. And sometimes we think that can't happen in our countries. We just happen to live in countries that have a lot of freedom. But they used, race was one of the things they used in Venezuela to get people fighting. And now look at it. A few elite people live in mansions and eat gourmet food and everyone else stands in line waiting for them to put bread on the shelves. I'm just saying, okay? So this is like, this is really important. So, so we have to be aware of that as Christians. Now, it doesn't help to argue and fight because, you know, unfortunately... We, it, it doesn't work always to do that, but prayer is a good thing. Um, so this is um, something we can do. But then let's get back into this, this royal, th that we're a chosen, gener uh, a chosen race. So there's, there's different ethnic groups. There's only one human race. One human race, but there's different ethnic groups and, and origins, okay, but one human race. And then... Of course, because there's only one human race, we look different. But we're only one, and we're all spirit beings, and we've all been created equal. Nobody is more superior than anyone else. But the system will try to use that to get us to fight each other. And as Christians, we should never give in to that. It's, it's not what we should give in to. But then there's two spiritual races, okay? And that is the cosmos. They're... They're dead in their sins, and they're actually controlling a lot, and the media is something that works with the cosmos, and now big tech is working with them also, so they're all working together uh, on that, and so we have to know as Christians, I'm not afraid. You know, the Bible says, look up, your redemption draws nigh when you see a lot of these things happening. 
Uh, many, many ministers that have never talked about it now are talking about the end times and the last days. And, and some of the ones that never did are bringing it up because you know why? People know in their spirits. You, you get sensitive to what's going on. And it's in my spirit too. Now there's many signs for the, concerning the second coming of Jesus, but the rapture is signless. There's no signs about the rapture. So if there is a seven-year tribulation period, which v- many, most of the theologians say that's true, and if, we're, if you believe in pre-trib rapture, that means we get raptured before the seven years. And then right at the beginning of the, the seven years, the Ezekiel War happens. So if you follow what's going on in Israel, and, and even right now, it's almost like Iran and Israel. There's like a war brewing. We're so close to the Ezekiel War, which means we're going to get taken out of here. So we're, we're living in days. It's not, it's not the days to play church. You know, it's not the days to, to just, you know, fit God into our lives. It's, it's make him our life and fit other things in. But he is our life, okay? Praise God. So, um, look at 1 John 2.15. We're in the world, but we're not of it. So it says, do not love the world, the cosmos, or the things in the world, the cosmos. If anyone loves the cosmos, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty strong right there. It's strong. So, you know, like being friends and loving the world. So we need to rub shoulders with the world because of our influence and the mission and the message we have. But we don't become friends with the world. Become enamored with the world. So... There used to be a day I was enamored with sports figures. They were my heroes. And then musicians were my heroes. I respect their talent, but I'm not enamored by them. And the glamour of it all, it's nothing. Nothing. So we need to be aware of that uh, in every area. So this this, uh, system that it's talking about, love not the cosmos. What is it again? It's the harmonious order or system of the world. I don't love it. We have to live in it, but I don't love it. I'm not impressed by it. The earthly things which seduce us from God, such as goods, riches, advantages, and pleasures, thank God that he prospers us, but we can't take any of it with us. And we're living in a great country where we have, it's possible to be prospered. There's other people in other places. They, they're, 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 the cosmos affected them so bad, they don't even have a system in place. I, one time we went on a missions trip to um, Nepal, was it? with Patsy's parents. And they said, I think that was the country. They don't even have an economy. We talk about economy. There's like a country there, unless it's changed. They said, we were over there. They, we don't have an economy because the cosmos destroyed them so bad. All right. So um, this, this is what we're talking about. So um, there's a few things I want to say, like just thoughts, like for us as parents, whoever we admire the most our children were, will do that. We can lead the ones, that, the ones that we lead, we can cause them to be enamored and admire the wrong people. And so, and so we, we belong in the world. So people that have talents and skills and education, it's good to acknowledge, hey, you know, you worked hard for that and you, and you have all that, but, but, you know, I'm not going to lead my child to, like, admire you to a degree that Jesus is second place God is second place you know know how to live in the world 
and do it wisely. So that even has to do like if people that are called in politics. Is a, if a Christian's in politics, don't let the politics get you. Make sure you do the right thing in politics. Sports, music, entertainment. Don't let any of those fields enamor you and the glamour of it make, make you think Jesus is secondary. Christians can work in areas. Now, like, I'm, I'm going longer than I wanted to on this, but Danzel Washington's an example. So I have a friend that pastors in Los Angeles, and he has this thing about him. He gets around famous people, movie stars, and, and he's not infatuated by them. He influences them. Very few people can do that. You get around these big superstars, and you, oh, wow, I just met you. He's, he's like, he doesn't, that doesn't affect him at all. He doesn't get, he's not so impressed with them. So he influences them toward the right way. So he, he told me, I said, I asked him years ago about Danzel. I said, Danzel's a Christian, but he was in a movie that he cussed, and he goes, do you understand that Danzel signed a contract years ago, and he has to fulfill the contract, and I'll guarantee you, as soon as that contract ends, you won't see him doing those kind of movies again. And Danzel Washington is very famous, but he's used his influence the right way. He speaks at college graduations. I listen to him speak. And he gives the, the guys graduating awesome stuff. So he's using his influence. So I'm not against, I'm not one of the people that say, oh, we're, let's go all be hermits in the woods. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But we need to make sure we maintain our Christianity. Is that, is that you know what I'm saying? Okay. So I, I've used a little more time up th- than I thought. You, it's your fault because you're just such good listeners. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to the next one, number two. The only one that we can trust. And, and that's like God, you know, like, this is like really telling us who can we trust. So Psalm 146.2, it says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. And notice that it's too late to sing praises after we're gone. Uh, so this is the time to do it. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. So notice there's princes and man. So princes represent the government. So God, as we said earlier, he's the establisher of all things. Long ago, he, he ordained the governing powers, the cosmos, but, but by the time Jesus came to earth, they were so corrupt, he said, I'm from above and you're from below. They know the cosmos no longer had God in it. Okay, so this is like what Jesus came to. So here's what it's saying to us. We don't, there's nothing in the Bible that says to trust the government. There's stuff in the Bible that says to submit. But there's, there's nothing there to say trust. So we're not required to trust. We can privately question, and, and, and then there is when you do public things where, where you know, citizens take a stand. I always say do it as a citizen and don't do it as a Christian so much because then you get, you get religions fighting. But citizens have a right to take a stand. I, I sign petitions. Uh, I do all of that kind of stuff. But uh, as far as Christianity, I want to be able to be able to witness to people and not think, oh, you Christians hate everyone. Then we lose our influence. Does that make sense? So, but the Bible never says that we are to trust government. It says to pray for them and submit. So we, we don't like walk around with blinders on our eye and just like believe every single thing, okay? So then this next verse in Psalm 146, 4, it says, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth on that very day his plans perish. And what is that saying? Like, life on the earth is short, 
and people can have dreams, you know, but make sure your dreams are God's dreams. Like as we, in these last days, we just want to make sure that what we do is good with God. So whatever we do, so if it's sports, make sure in sports you, that God is glorified. If it's entertainment, make sure God is glorified. Whatever we do. And sometimes, understand, you, it's better to walk the walk sometimes before you talk it. Because people notice the walk, and then there can t- come a time that the door opens that we can talk. But whatever we do, we do it to glorify him. And then the next thing, number three, is make a decision. And uh, so my, my, my daughter, I asked permission to share this. I remember when, when we first moved here, um, she, it was about 17 years ago, she was in school. It was a Christian school, but they allowed a percentage of non-Christians in. And so she finished one year here, and then she came to us and said, I, I want to homeschool this year, distant education. We said, why do you want to do it? And she said, well, my friends are influencing more than I, me more than I'm influencing them. Because not everyone was a Christian in the school, and some of the Christians weren't really what. She goes, and I don't like that. So I want to pull out of school for a year, and I want to spend time on myself. And I watched her. She would do her homework, but she read her Bible. And I could see that she was, uh, she was getting herself right and getting strong. And, then, and she prayed for her friends. And then she went back to school the next year. She was different and stronger, but it's amazing. that she, Her friends were different. So, so I, here's why I'm, I'm telling that story. Never underestimate the power of a decision. Like the prodigal son had to come to himself and make a decision before he went back home. So in these last days, when it comes to living for him like 100%, it first of all starts with a decision. It starts with a decision. These are just things that help us. So we all need to make that decision. I made the decision. You know, the Bible says everybody that expects his coming keeps himself pure. Okay, so we, we all have the flesh to deal with, but everyone expecting that will keep himself pure. When we are eternity-minded and we think we're going to, we're, you know, the rapture's going to come and we're going to meet him, and it says whoever expects that, and I expect it, it says keep yourself pure. So that it's like right there, and it's a time to do that, okay? And then number four, use the available resources. And, and we'll be done real soon here, but Second Peter 1, 3 his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us unto his glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and, and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the cosmos because of sinful desire. So what is the, this is a resource. What is resource? It's the word of God. God's word, he's divine, and then it tells us that his word, that's how we become partakers of the divine nature. And so he gets in us, and, and he, we have the Holy Spirit and all of that that he did for us, but the way that we maintain it and not allow the world to overcome us is we continue to stay in the word. That's how you partake of the divine nature that has been imparted into us. So use the resources. And then lastly, number five, live solely for his purpose. So 1 Timothy 6, in verse 7, it says, for we brought nothing into the world, the cosmos, and and, and we cannot take anything out of the world, the cosmos. 
So that means when we were all born, we brought nothing in. But what happens is we learn the system, and in the system, we get things. But we can't take any of those things out when we leave. Okay, so with that, Jesus said this. He said in Luke 9.25, he said, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole cosmos, that system, and all the things that that system has, but loses or forfeits himself? These are the days for us to just solely live for him. It does no good. So make sure our dreams are his dreams. Make sure our dreams for our children are his dreams. It's the days to do that. So we could say everything we do for him, do for the kingdom. So if you're going to college, keep the mission in mind. Do it for the kingdom. If you're working a job, keep the mission in mind. Keep eternity in mind. If an entertainer, a sports figure, keep, don't forget the mission. Hallelujah. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.